interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> hey everybody it's my bloody podcast time it's february 23rd the month of romance i am brian kluger and i'm joined by the two hosts with the most oh my gourd we're gonna be trapped in a submarine or an underwater dwelling for a while, because it's going to be so good. We are going to drink our Pepsis. We are going to find underwater spiders. And uh, yeah, it is. We're, we're going we're gonna to have a good time. Of course, Brian Kluger here. And then all the way in Denton, Texas, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, what a pair of Preston Bartas. How are you? I'm good. Come on, baby. Sit on my face. Sit on my face. I love it. Oh, God. Can't wait about that. Uh, Join us. Special guests coming in again. I haven't seen this man in a while. He's hails in Houston, Texas. And uh, he, I I don't know. I, I just, I just miss this man. His name is James Cole Clay and Mm -hmm. just happy to have him on the show. Legs and all. How are you? I'm great. I just got off the phone with my dear, dear friend, Ernie Hudson. Awesome. Correct. It, it, that's um, that's a lie, but let's pretend it's true. That's, that is that. I'm, I'm going to pretend that's true. Ernie Hudson. Um, somebody got off the phone with somebody on the cast here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> um, Cole, Cole, um, it's been a long time. Yeah, what you've been doing? I mean, the last time you were on here, we were all doing. We we all do movies. We all love movies. Are mm-hmm. you still in the whole movie genre? No, you still writing or doing no. Uh, no. What, what what are you doing now? Um, I run. I train dogs, and I collect records, and I read. Okay. That sounds great. So you used to write movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, used yeah, to write yeah. about movies, but like, yeah. do you like watching movies with the notion that you so, don't have to write about yes, them Yes, I like it a lot more. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you a better answer than that. But um, yeah, I mean, essentially, I've talked about Preston. I've talked about this with Preston. For me, um, I think the pressure uh, kind of got me to burn out a little bit. I didn't feel like I felt like I was watching movies on like a schedule in such a way that stressed me out that I could not watch things that I really maybe wanted to catch up on or have a good time with, or, you know, just wanted to have time to watch stuff with my significant other. Um, so, so that's what I did um, because I was watching like almost 200 movies a year, going to film festivals, all that stuff. So for me, I needed to kind of um, just do other things um, for my own like mental health and just like life experience because I felt like I was like cutting myself off to other experiences. But I still fucking love movies. But like what my favorite thing to do is to watch movies. I mean, I have seen this film. Um, I, I saw this movie like when I was in the thick of writing and stuff like that. 
but like I want to watch movies that are either I haven't seen or underappreciated um, that suck. What I'm really into, though, and this will give you like a really good like summation of kind of me. What I'm really into right now is like norm core movies more than anything. That's like my new horror. So what I mean by norm core, I see your face uh, is like meet the parents, meet the Fockers. Little Fockers. So big, like, mainstream movies that are cute. Under the Tuscan Sun. Okay. Shit like that that's just very normal. I watched Hope Floats last night. Shit that is just very, like... It's funny to me. I I find it hilarious. Um, in in such a way, not really in an ironic way, because I genuinely love those movies. Um, and then, you know, you have your more, like, legit movies, like, as good as it gets um uh Kramer versus Kramer um anything like James L Brooks stuff that's like the top of the heap that he's like the Kubrick of normcore you know what i'm saying okay um so i like that kind of stuff these days anything Nancy Myers nor Efron um that kind of stuff i think is it, it makes me feel really good like i got really excited from a steel magnolias 4k you me, me too and i that, recently that just stuff. watched that okay it's a great movie so so that's really honestly what I've been up to. That's where my film head is at. But when I can have an excuse to rewatch something like Leviathan, I mean, I watched it twice. Like, I love this movie. Love this movie. Yeah. So, no, no, it's great. It's a, it's a good answer. And I'm glad you're doing well and happy with all the good stuff. But yeah, the My Bloody Podcast, y'all, uh, we're talking about this crazy movie from 1989 called leviathan some of you may remember it some of you may not but it was it's crazy to me that this movie leviathan with its in this incredible crew of filmmakers and producers and writers and actors came together this should have been a billion dollar movie at the box mm. office but it did not break 20 million <laughs> we're gonna get into that because it's crazy so this this movie was directed by george p cosmatos and george directed of course this movie but he also directed rambo 2 cobra and tombstone with like not a lightweight there and, and then yeah, it's crazy. And then it was written by David Peoples, who uh, wrote Blade Runner and Unforgiven and 12 Monkeys, uh, along with a guy named Jeb Stewart, who wrote The Fugitive and Die Hard. And then, of course, it was produced by Lawrence Gordon, which we just talked about, who produced all the Predator movies and Die Hards. Uh, and it starred, you know, Preston's best friend, Peter Weller. It uh, starred Daniel Stern out of nowhere, Ernie Hudson, Michael uh, Carmine, Meg Foster. This this movie's crazy. So I don't know why it didn't make a billion dollars. But but first, I, b- before we get into this movie, we've said it on the podcast this time. We've said it on Fear and Loathing Cinema podcast. Preston Barta, one of our dear friends. His real best friend is Peter Weller, RoboCop himself and the star of Leviathan. So my question is, Preston, why is Peter not on this show right now? Like, seriously, y'all talk all the time. Y'all say bedtime stories to each other. Y'all laugh. Y'all listen to music. Why is he not on this show? <laughs> I, I uh, We have very philosophical conversations brian and i don't think that we're quite on that level together 
So I try to, I'm protecting him from you. <laughs> but the dude's RoboCop. And, you know, I would, uh, it, it would be very gentle. I mean, I, I bet you he would have a great time on this show. Yeah. I mean, you would have to I, give him a warning sign, maybe. But maybe he wants like a you, little break. You just need to wear a warning sign. Uh, just fair warning. I'm kind of dumb. I'm, uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I this think is going to be ridiculous. I, huh? I think you could lead with music, and he that would be your hook. Well, I think, I think it would it would be fine. We could have a philosophical conversation. I would I would no. I would still be amped up for sure, but I think I think no. we need to get Peter on the show, Preston. I'm just saying. No, He's your best friend. I... And you just have to see, like, look, look, Peter. We're gonna bring you on the show. You're gonna meet this guy named Brian. He's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Picture you're gonna be talking to a pro wrestling manager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he'd be he'd be out on his on, on your intro when you're hyping him up <laughs> on RoboCop. Uh, which would be yeah. great. Which would be yeah. great. So you're basically no, no. saving Peter from me. <laughs> exactly. No, no, you're a very smart person. We have great conversations. I um I I don't know. I think truthfully, it's just I feel like. I worked really hard to get where I am to this level of respect that I have from him. And I just don't You don't want to see him. I don't want to see you like it. dumb it down on the podcast. Is that what you're saying, Preston? Don't don't want to muddy the waters. Yeah. I don't think you'll muddy the waters. I think I think genuinely from how y'all talk about it and how Haley talks about y'all's relationship, I don't think you can muddy the waters. I think he would have a good time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I want to say this publicly, but I uh, but I've told it to you that he said it. Uh, I may be in his will, so there's something special. And now, I'm not, I mean, I'm you've said that before, and I'm so curious. Like, you're in his will. Like, is it? I mean, is it going to be monetary, or is, are you going to get like the prop replica no. gun from RoboCop? I, that'd be awesome. I mean, I I don't I I don't care about any of that. I I just love the conversations that we have because he's such an incredibly deep thinker and it's very interesting to watch some of these movies that are maybe a little more uh simple by comparison to a lot of the stuff that he talks about and that type of art because because he'll send me and i've showed it to 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 cole and you i believe that uh he'll send me like these discoveries like these little research rabbit holes that he goes on and he'll be like hey check out this uh, artist and then just gives me a whole like research paper essentially via text and then he'll invite me to like his italian uh renaissance uh lectures and things like that uh via via zoom um so but i i think ultimately why he said what he said was because the the jazz thing that we got to line up his first big headlining jazz gig and didn't. So that it was very special for him. And I'm glad that I can. And special that. for you. I think that's like super yeah. cool. You'll have like a really cool bond and that's rare yeah. between. I don't know. I'm, I'm such a turtle in the shell. Like I just don't want, I, I don't want to, you know, dangle this all out there. So I'll just let you say what you say. So. I, I, so I, I want this to happen. Cole, can you imagine 
Peter coming on the show, us talking to him, and Preston's constantly lists like his hands over. His I face. would be like that too. I am I am intimidated by his intellect, and I would want to make a very, very good impression as well, because I consider myself a fucking crazy person and silly and stupid, the shit that I say, but I also know that I can be Yeah, but I think you can you're also very capable of stepping up to the plate. I yeah, mean, de- definitely. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the greatest things ever. My dad still talks about that. But um, yeah, no, I definitely could step up to the plate. I, I would be I would be ecstatic to talk to him. I would really like to talk to him about composers and stuff like that. I would I think that's very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he's a fascinating guy. I really I really love that kind of stuff. I you know, honestly, anybody that can be a credit to my life in terms of intellect, in terms of bringing things that I don't have because I'm very silly and crazy and I'll run around the house and sing stupid songs that I make up and stuff like that, um, you know, is, is amazing. I don't know, man. He, he, it's cool because he, you know, you were talking about like a second ago in terms of Peter, like all these genre films that he does. Um, and they're very like meat and potatoes, but he, he brings something, um, to it. Like, like the open, you know, and we, and we'll talk about it. Like, I love the opening scene of him in like the control room of this film. He brings a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of meat, the meat to that. Well, I, I feel like he's one of the few actors and we actually talked about it. Uh, and cause this, this movie Leviathan's coming out on 4k or is currently now out on 4k through Kino Lorber. And I, uh, that was an opportunity for me to talk to him and, we, we talked about his character specifically just because Brian mentioned all those movies like, you know, Rambo and Cobra and all. And we were just talking about Predator, like all these uh, very machismo uh, guys that are in it. And you get something like his character in this film and a lot of some of the characters that he plays. He's not scared to play someone who is vulnerable and mm-hmm. is not the, you know, has the biggest muscles in the room or anything, or maybe uh, has the, you know, is the smartest person in the room. Like he makes mistakes in this film. And um, the, the way that the, the guys treat him in this is uh very very fascinating like there, i mean we'll we'll talk about it more specifically with some of the scenes that he has in this uh the way that the the whole crew is is like yeah you're gonna well i don't i don't know yeah. we, we should probably talk we'll, about the plot first yeah we we'll, we'll get to it so uh leviathan of course was released in march of 1989 it was it's an italian american movie so it was released in italy a little bit later in 1989 oh, but also in 1989 were two movies that came out Besides Leviathan, The Abyss and Deep Star Six, and The Abyss, Deep Star Six, and Leviathan all there have some big similarities. All underwater, all like alien-like creatures, a crew underwater. Yeah. It's it's a whole thing. But you know, George Cosmatos, the director of Leviathan, great director. But I I feel like this movie Leviathan, this was his this was his fun kid movie growing up or not even growing up but what he saw within the last 10 years he's like i've got to make alien and i've got to make john carpenter's the thing and i got to put it underwater (laughs) because it seems like there are underwater movies coming out. i gotta compete with james cameron let's do it and what resulted 
was I, I don't know why critics didn't agree with it, but um I think I think Leviathan says more than a lot, even more maybe than Abyss, even though Abyss is a very good movie. I like Leviathan a lot. Right? Uh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I don't know if I would say it's necessarily better than the Abyss. Um I it, it's hard for me to 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 rank them, but I think if I actually I just appreciate the process work of the abyss like that's what i love about these films all three of the ones that you mentioned even though i would say deep star six is very much the the lesser of the three the um with with the abyss it's and we talked about it in our aliens episode like most of the first hour or so first 45 minutes like you're just getting to know the crew like an alien and they're you're getting to see like what what they're doing and how they do it, all the specifics of everything. And like, that's very involving for you as an audience. And they do very similar things to this. Cause like in here in Leviathan, like they're, they're mining, they're trying to get silver, they're trying to get materials and they're hired and they're uh, by an evil corporation to uh, collect these materials. And uh, we get to see that they're, they're wearing like, hundred multi hundred pound suits uh underwater and um using big machinery and then peter weller's character um is the one that's in the control room calling the shots he's he's a geologist who's hired to as they say as he says in the film to take care, wrangle in these cowboys. And <laughs> so, so there's great. a lot of cowboys in the movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, and yeah. And so, yeah, they're, they're mining. Something happens. They find an old Russian ship and, you know, think John Carpenter, the thing, like there's like these little spiders or whatever, or running around and like some alien like creature, gets into one of the humans and like aliens or the thing kind of morphs them into these monster like creatures. They, and it's gross and it's amazingly gory in a, that John Carpenter sort of way in parts. And it's like, okay, okay everybody's got to figure out, try to survive. And you know, the, the couple days they're down there. Yeah. You, you know, what's interesting. Like when this, script first started out when it was written by uh david i think david the blade runner guy right he's yes the, he's, yeah so he he was the one that i think when this script started out it was just as simple as so think um from this i'm thinking prometheus because in prometheus they have the liquid goo and then the, you know yeah. they put it in the in the mouth so i think it was supposed to be a little more dialed back and not so much the thing it was supposed to be more about creating in in the same way that that's what uh that's why me and uh cold like uh prometheus and alien covenant because it has to deal with like it's not so much a creature feature even though it has creatures in it but it's more about creation and being and yeah. playing god and i think that's what this originally was supposed to be until um the studio uh wanted to go into a more creature feature route um because they had access to i don't think they had access to the script of the abyss but they at least had the script for uh, deep star six so they were all in a, in a central essentially a space race to get their material out there 
uh, first, uh, but then, yeah, Leviathan was second. Uh, Deep Star 6 came out in January. This one came out in March, and I think the Abyss came out sometime in the fall, September. Yeah. And then, like, leave it to the sneaky fucking Russians to be experimenting with this alien stuff, and then yeah. Daniel Stern to mix it with alcohol, and then just, like, it went crazy. I mean, that's what happens in the movie, right? Yeah, he finds a flask. Yeah. yeah. And it mixes with whatever the Russians were doing. Yeah. And it created, like, this horrifying, tentacle, big, sharp teeth-looking creature, and it's... Well, and it just goes because once it starts, thing, doesn't stop. My thing with this movie, what makes it really scary to me and, and intriguing, and I know Preston is much more well versed in like water stuff, water content, water. <laughs> He's the water area in life. Yeah. <laughs> water um, but I do, I do enjoy it. Um, it, 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 I think it, what it does, unlike space. It, it you know it's earth space essentially like it's you know because you you are an alien down there you are not on our planet in 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 a way but it's quite literally kind of like the way i look at it is with stress in life it's quite literally a pressure cooker that you're in and you have to keep it chill i mean there are moments with weller um like at the beginning when you know a suit is losing pressure and stuff like that and he is having to keep it together yeah. um he's calling for richard krenna uh the doc who is so good and so asshole golf course guy he literally yeah. makes a golf course joke that um hmm. you know he has to figure out how to you know get out of the pressure cooker of his mind while they're literally in like a pressure cooker i mean they are literally in one of these like crock pots that has like all these dangerous things and i, and I think that's really cool and i think like it's quote-unquote silly as the film is that's what makes it effective is that yeah. is scary that is another world that is here like you know that is two miles below from where we are now and not only do you have to deal with crazy dumbass people like daniel stern who plays six pack you also have to deal with you know a bunch of different egos and yeah you know just things like that and i and i think that i think that resonates um do you ever wonder when you say crazy ass things. people crazy ass characters like daniel stern like even bill paxton and aliens um or the crazy guy and the abyss how those characters got that job like daniel stern got this job yeah. and knowing how he is like he's essentially a rock like, cow from armageddon yes yeah like yes. you ever wonders like man all these smart people with peter weller uh, in, in character wise and yes. then you have daniel stern <laughs> and there and he's thrown in there because he's i mean he's the comic relief and he's like an asshole right yeah, he's grabbing asses. That's yeah. not cool. Yeah. Bowman. Back in the 80s, get... it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, that six pack. Yeah, it was really. Sexual harassment was a gift then. <laughs> it was really crazy. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it just is just for the sake of the script more than anything. But he yeah. does, especially 35 years later. Yeah, 35 year old film. Crazy. And, it, and it's crazy to see, like, because you don't, because Daniel Stern came from, you know, I mean, he didn't do City Slickers yet, but the Wonder Years, and you're just like, mm. man, this is like such a far cry from yeah. Wonder Years and whatever yeah. we've seen Daniel Stern yeah. in being Rookie of the Year yeah. or Little Monsters. It's, this it's, character is so 
out of the norm. It really it's, is. It's, it's kind of like seeing John C. Riley in his early career when he was doing like what's eating Gilbert Grape and oh yeah, uh, like Boogie Nights, but like a little dialed back. And then a lot of most people kind of associate him with like Talladega Nights and sure and Step Brothers, and don't really think about like oh shit, like he did some like serious work in there. Um, oh yeah. But, so yeah, it's a little, it's a bit of a middle ground for him, I suppose. Right, but do you do you think in Leviathan, much like with the Abyss, or even Deep Star Six, Aliens, the movies that we're talking about, I think that Leviathan has some of the better characters. Like they're all distinguishable, yeah. more so than some of these other movies. Like each, everybody has like their their element or their two elements. Yeah, you're right. Them. And I really liked seeing that again because it had been a while since I'd seen the Leviathan. And it was just like going through and I was like, oh man, I really like this crew, even though they're like, you know, kind of like, you know, misfit toys type of thing. But again, like Armageddon, you have these oil drillers basically. And on a, you know, yeah. on a big scale. I really, I really want to see them just the regular movie that is not the creature feature of like the first 90 days of it, because oh, when you're, when dude, you're dropped yeah. into this, you, you've like Peter Weller's treated as the outsider. Like he's like mm -hmm. never within that time has got earned the respect of the crew. Like they're mm -hmm. constantly calling him because his name is Stephen Beck. They call him Becky. And so he, he's like reading, uh, like he's reading books, like one minute manager yeah, and yeah, giving yeah. himself pep talks in front of the yeah. mirror. Like you just don't see that sort of thing. And that, that's what I was. That's nuanced. At. That's nuanced yeah. detail yeah. and storytelling in a, in a 90 minute movie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I think about, yeah, those, those relationships, you know, think about, um, I can't remember Ernie Hudson's name, but De Jesus, the guy at the beginning of the film whose suit almost explodes. Yeah, Michael. And Carmine. like he he has some beef with Ernie Hudson's character, and they make up in a way that's honestly very heartfelt for friendship. And what happens is something grotesque afterwards and har quite harrowing, honestly, quite harrowing. Um, but also quite satisfying for those who love gore. Um, a great, yeah. a great, a great scene. But so, so you get a moment where you're able to relate to these people and then you have a moment where you get the follow through on the horror and the follow through on what happens between these two characters. And there's yeah. a, it's very satisfying film. It's a very satisfying yeah. film is what, what the deal is with it. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get into it, but what I love about this, this film is, uh, how they, how the characters, react in a very human way as you were saying between ernie hudson and michael like when he first you know finds sees him with that thing like he's he's yeah he's like frozen yes. but i think that part that really shows it is when when we i'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit but when you have the two bodies and they're they're about to you know send it off the ship and, and which uh we can get into the details of that they're, they're in the body bag right yeah, they're yeah. in the body bag, but it starts moving. And then some of the crew members are like, I can feel it moving. Like, they're, they're alive. And they're like, and then some of them, like, don't want to face that reality at all. And they're like, just send it out. Like, that, <laughs> that, that sort of, like, tug of war going on right there about, like, what's right is really fascinating and, and truthful to the human experience, I would say. Right. And I think that's a good point, because in like in Alien or Aliens, Sigourney Weaver was always right. Like even yeah. in Alien, she was always the level head and whatever she yeah. said 
was like the one to listen to, but nobody listened to her. But in this one, it was like in real time watching yeah. people react they, normally, like, wait, wait, what do we do? Like that I don't yeah. this is crazy. And um whole uh Ernie Hudson's character's name in this movie is Justin Jones Justin and Jones. Michael Carmine as the Jesus. That's the actor who played Carlos and batteries not included. Yeah. Which I always love yeah. and love. I believe, I believe he, I believe that actor passed away. Like yeah, shortly after this movie. He did. Yeah, he, he did. did. Uh, but it's, I, I, that's why I like Leviathan when it comes to all these movies. I mean, yes, aliens, the thing, abyss are great, but this I, it's operating on a different level. And yeah. I mean, I feel like I bring it back. We bring it back to Peter Weller. I think it's because Peter Weller just knows like the stuff he's go. He like, he's, he's very aware of the situation and makes it even better. Like Cole was saying earlier. Yeah, I agree. But that's what, that's what I think. Well, so the, the, the gore in this movie or the, like the creature effects, uh, of course, by the great Stan Winston, do you think these these effects hold up like these visual effects yes. like anyone compared to movies of the time or whatever? I mean, I already gave my answer. Sorry, I just got excited. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I think that's I think it's a I, I do, too, because we always see CG. But and then maybe you see or you watch other movies that look similar yeah. in as far as creatures. But I think this like just went all the way. I, I love that aspect. It's of palpable. It. That's yes. why it works. Um, you know, I was watching, rewatching Wonka the other day. Oh, I mean, I had it on. And, you know, something's nice about like just putting a movie on, maybe fast forwarding to 30 minutes in, going to do your laundry, coming back, watching it for 10 minutes, that kind of thing in the house. So Wonka was filling the air of my house for whatever reason. And there's a lot of animals in that film. And while I like a scene with a giraffe, it doesn't feel palpable. I don't feel like I can, regardless if the the giraffe looks more photo real than the uh, intestine sucker in this or the uh, spider guys that Daniel um, Stern encounters, it feels there's a palpability there because I think there was days and hours and days like put into the work of that. And for some reason as humans, I think we can just kind of pick up on that into that work but, and but to is, feel, it, is it I don't because know. we're so in tune with this whole process and creativity that goes into that sort of thing or do you, or I don't, I don't know if any of your significant others watch this or anybody else that no, you know that maybe no. not be as well versed into this as as we are would they mm. be able to say the same thing or is it because I, I like to think that because we've been doing this for a little while and we, we can like be in awe of that. We can be in awe of watching Fury Road and be like, Oh, it's all the sure. stuff that they did in that. It's just incredible. And then when you watch this, um, I don't, I mean, I can honestly say that I don't think it's Stan Winston's best work. I, it, it's really funny watching the extras for this, where they have like a 40 minute documentary uh, <laughs> with all the Stan Winston crew members. And they're just kind of complaining for the most part, the whole time. Oh, it, it was a huge, it was a huge rush job there. Uh, so Stan Winston's company was actually offered all three of those movies, oh, Deep Star Six God. and The Abyss. And he has a long-standing relationship, or at least, you know, he did Terminator and Aliens. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. with him with with uh, James Cameron, and so he opted to do this one. And uh, so a lot of things were kind of like read into that. It's like, oh, he's like backstabbing James Cameron. Honestly, it was because Stan Winston just finished doing Pumpkinhead and he wanted to get back into the director's chair. And so a lot of those other films required seven months of work. And this one required four. But it ended up being a big stress job because at the time there was multiple unions on strike. And then they they had to... uh, talk about uh is it going to be six work days or five work days shooting in italy that sort of thing and then you're and, and there was a lot of talk about george p cosmatos actually getting in uh verbal matches with stan winston like it got really heated um so a lot of the crew members said like when it came to designing the monster they they described it as quote monster stew Like everybody had so many different ideas as to what it should look like and what it should be that when it came to actually putting out the the final creature design out there, like all of them were just kind of fed up and just like, whatever George wants, just throw it in there. And he was wanting so many things. Like he was more invested in the technical side of things than he was like when the actors were coming to him like, Hey, what do you want to do? What's what? And then he just kind of did. He's like, everybody, everybody's asking me a thousand questions and I don't want to answer any of them. And so that maybe that's why some of the character work is what we, because most of those actors were on their own and didn't maybe didn't have the guidance that they needed. And so they just kind of relied on each other and, essentially directed their own movie, perhaps. I, I don't know, I may be speak, speaking in a way that might not be the truth, but this is kind of what I was gathering from everything that I observed, at least because uh, there's a lengthy interview with Ernie Hudson talking about his experience and how George was uh, not the most politically correct person. And so I wonder what that was like on set. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then Hector as, as uh, Elizondo almost died on the set too. Cause he oh. got, um, uh, cause the, 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 the team had to create the suits as well. Like that, that was, I think that was the oh, first thing dude. they really started on. And, and so when they were talking about the process of making the home, not going too much in a rant here, but it's really interesting to me that when they were designing the suits, like they had to order it from like outside uh, overseas companies that were making it. And then they had to create like the bendability of the knees and everything. So they had to retrofit a lot of it, uh, especially for the actors who are at different heights and sizes. And so there's the point in the movie when they're coming from outside from mining and they're, they're coming back inside and then they're like, you know, lifted on that little platform and they're Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. elevated above um one of the crew members accidentally hit one of the wrong buttons like the hydraulic machines and hector is still in it and so it sent him down and because it's like so many hundred pounds it was sending him down and starting to crush him and then they had to all run over there to shut it off so the there should be a movie about this movie's making because nobody's been like super clean about it all i know i haven't talked to peter weller but when i was asking him about it like he you know as we well we didn't mention but i know uh cole got pretty excited when when uh brian was listing off everything that george has done he's also did the movie with peter weller called of unknown origins and so he already had like a really great relationship with him he already had that respect 
for his whole process of doing things. And so a lot of these other actors, it wasn't quite the same. So the, the whole making of this is really fascinating to me. So that, that that's not to super plug uh, what Kino Lorber put together, but I think a lot of these extras are actually on the Scream Factory edition, but watching some of those extras, I have not listened to the film historian commentary because that would be interesting to me to see what other people have to say about it. But really, really, really fascinating stuff. That's that sounds like I mean that sounds almost more I mean even though Leviathan is interesting and great movie to me it seems like the making of it is even better and we've seen documentaries like this before yeah um like mm -hmm. the Island of Doctor Moreau and other that's movies. the best one yeah, yeah. Lost Soul yeah. that Lost one Soul. I love it when I see people on Letterbox discover Lost Souls because <laughs> I remember when Preston and I saw that ten years ago he, oh my god I was just yeah. like can you believe this shit. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, Richard Stanley, like George P. Cosmanos, is a very eccentric person. I mean, George probably wasn't doing witchcraft and going off on the beach like right. <laughs> Richard Stanley was. But they each have, like, their way of, like, plugging into the creative art form and things like yeah. that. And so uh, one of the uh, crew members said that I also thought was interesting, that they felt like George P. Cosmatos was like <laughs> the last megalomaniac director who, <laughs> because like, because like right now it seems like, mm, you know, shit. everybody has a committee, like they have so many people that they have mm -hmm. to answer to. So he was one of the crew is like, no, fuck your committee. Like, I don't want to answer anybody. Like, this is my movie and I want to direct it the way that I want to do it. And so really, really unique. I would love to know. I just wanted to be like a Matt Damon and in the informant. I just want, I want to be a fly on that wall. Oh, dude. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, George P. Cosmatos, I mean, in my opinion, has made some damn good movies. I mean, yeah. like Brian lift, listed those off and they're they're so great. Yeah. No, it's 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 that's why yeah. I said like with the 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 producers the writer and even alex thomas uh thompson the cinematographer that uh did the cinematography for like labyrinth and year of the dragon um and cliffhanger alien 3 i i mean it's crazy that this movie didn't make a billion dollars yeah. back then like, because it's got so much talent behind it yeah. but maybe like, huh yeah it's like they made The Outsiders, where you're like everybody's famous in it, except maybe it didn't. It didn't make the money that Outsiders did. Right, it, it didn't. And it, it, it still hasn't even caught on this movie. I didn't hear about Leviathan until the Screen Factory Blu-ray. Like I didn't know about this movie until then. Well, I think this because you know the movie cost about twenty million or twenty-two million dollars, and it made less than twenty million dollars. I think everybody shelved it. Push it yeah. away because you have a movie like um, The Abyss come out and every everybody lost their mind on it. It's, it's James Cameron. Yeah. It's it's The Abyss. And everybody forgot about this movie. Yeah, and, I, don't, I wonder what the, the marketing... Well, I have no idea what the marketing of this movie was like during that time when all three of these movies were coming out. I don't know if they were like come up with like these little slide jokes here and there or something... Because, uh, cause, you know, like you'll see, I think like even the slogan for this was like, uh, you know, th th they're commenting on Alien, like a 
scream in uh, space no one can hear you and you get to this and like they really can't hear you underwater or something stupid like that <laughs> right uh, like they, they would do something like but i wonder what it was like I don't, I don't know if they they really pushed it as well as like as what uh, like when we watch stuff today you know we can say the same for like iron claw and how it was marketed versus like mm -hmm. zone of interest being the big movie for impasse lies for a 24 this season. And a lot of people are like, man, y'all didn't push this at all. Y'all didn't do anything. I know it's awards versus box office, but similar thing. I, I have no mm -hmm. idea what it was like for, for this movie. Me neither. I, I would like to know that. Um, I, I you also were alive, like, Brian, huh? That you were alive. So was I. I, I was I didn't I did I do not remember seeing Leviathan in the theater I would have been eight when this came out so but I don't remember seeing it uh I was two you were two yeah, yeah I, I was eight Preston was not alive yet I don't hey think. hey Rose first movie technically was Blade Runner 2049 so he, he'll know some things he'll <laughs> he will he will know some things uh yeah the and so let's talk about Meg Foster's character here we always see this type all of blue eyes yeah all blue yeah. eyes uh you see this character in a lot of movies such as even Aliens or um a lot of other films but she plays Miss Martin who is like the per like the person in charge of this whole operation but she's not down below she's not underwater she's up she's it seems like she like was on set for a couple days just talking mm -hmm. to a camera uh but she's talking on the phone with mm -hmm. with peter weller and they're constantly like get us out of here come rescue us and she's giving like the stereotypical boss manager answers like well, it'll be another couple days it'll be another few hours like yeah yeah, yeah. and you know, then there's like the punch heard around the world at the end of this movie, which is so funny because the abyss has Ed Harris fucking beating the shit out of a woman. And in here you got Peter Weller not even breaking stride. He's walking with his, his best, one of his best friends just died. Yeah, just he like... just doesn't even break a stride. He's just walking. He sees the girl there, Meg Foster, and he just like doesn't even stop walking just punches her and keeps walking and it's such a great moment because it's not like she doesn't scream she just like passes out <laughs> and he's like that felt good i feel great i yeah. get the sentiment why he wants to punch her like i get it uh to me i can't help but because this is the way that i view films uh, i can't help but think that george p cosmatos had some maybe like not so hidden animosity towards a woman he wanted to unleash upon because it just kind of feels it kind of feels like that like it's just like you know i mean she's the only woman left and she's a woman in power and so i guess that he's just like you know i mean she deserves you know i would have thrown that I bitch guess, off but, the like, fucking boat i wouldn't have punched her <laughs> you're like you're going over uh, i just mean like i guess what i'm getting at is it shows you that cosmatos doesn't give a fuck about being politically correct that's all which is good sometimes i it mean it can be what... good it's a memorable for the film and it's not real this is not real and she fucking lied to them about the hurricane and left them to die right that's why yeah. i would have thrown her off the fucking thing yeah like I, not to, punched her she deserved worse than what she got to me it's genderless like she is yeah. re she represents the the, the corporate said, greed yeah. dickheads. Yeah, yeah. The people yeah. that just want to make profit, don't care about their assets, and they'll just or lives. Yeah, 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Or if there's any like uh, wrongdoings, they'll sweep it under the rug to, to protect their, their company mm -hmm. overall. So that's what she represented. I don't think it really mattered. I, I will say in my talk with Peter Weller, he, he thought he's like, are you going to ask me about the punch? I was like, of course, I'm going to ask you about the punch. And then <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I, I, I'll tell you that we had I had to have a meeting like a dinner meeting with Meg Foster about that. We were trying to decide whether or not we thought that that would be the right thing to do or not. And oh. it, was, it was ultimately up to to Peter whether or not he was going to do it. And he's like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to do it. And he's like, I, I saw it as, cause that's how I described it to him exactly as I did right now. And he's like, yeah, that, that's what it was for me. Like I, it didn't matter that she was mo uh, a, a woman or anything like that. It, I think there's, as I've said off, off uh, the record here, um, there's a big difference between him punching her in this movie versus like John Travolta punching an urban cowboy or, right. or a Saturday yeah, yeah. fever or something like that. Right. There's a bit, that, that's just like violence totally. towards women. And that it was just trying to normalize that at the time when something like this, it was just like, that is the enemy. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, and so I agree with that. No, yeah. she, right. Yeah. Paul Reiser, Meg Foster, doesn't matter. You're getting punched. <laughs> right. No, you, exactly. I mean, it's it's a very similar character of somebody who's putting corporate profits over lies and trying to, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, could, they they should make a movie about her character too. Like, what 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 swayed her towards being uh, so malicious and and non caring? Yeah. yeah. No, it's imagine it, what's great about that this. because Meg Foster <laughs> right. looks evil. Meg Foster looks evil, and Paul Reiser looks like every man's uh yeah. like just like your yeah. best friend next door yeah. but meg foster has that great original unique look where you're just like man does, i don't yeah. trust this i don't trust this person i like i like that part of it so yeah but no, no she does and she still has it now wrinkles and all dude it makes her look amazing on camera it's crazy it, it's shocking yeah no it's Jarring. it's 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 great. Uh, I'm curious also, uh, Press, when you talk with your best friend, Peter Weller, um, there's like a, a lot. Of, <laughs> I love when he just cringes. It is his best friend. Uh, there, in this movie, like oh, a lot of action friend. or horror movies, there's always great one-liners in the climax of the film. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is no different. Like when you're like the good guy's about to beat the bad guy. And you're just like, you know, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Campbell line yeah. uh, one liner of like they're about to die and you got to say that one thing peter weller gets to do this in this movie to a giant fucking asshole in the sea that's <laughs> trying to eat him and it's so great <laughs> it's yeah yeah so uh, so i i uh i can't i know i told cole about it but there, there's a scene in the film where peter weller's character beck is wearing a arizona wildcats hat and and then we get to the very end to that line where he says, say, ah, oh, motherfucker. And he throws the, the dynamite into. He shoots the, the three. Monster. Yeah. <laughs> and so there, there you go. There's your, your basketball connection. Yeah. Um, so that, that was fun. But yeah, I, I did ask him about that, that line. He said he, there's a couple lines in the film that, that I love that he delivers. And I wonder how much, cause some of it, uh, there's one earlier when he when he's when Daniel Stern is like uh yelling and he, and then Peter Weller comes in and he's trying to like you know calm him down and he says 
uh, Daniel Stern's like, you call me a liar? He's like, that seems to be the size of it, Bubba. And just like that's that that line to me is very much a Peter Weller line that you would see in something like Shakedown or something like that. And um, he, he he couldn't recall whether or not how much how much of it he was his own spin um, or what was actually in the script. But um, he definitely took ownership of all th three of those big lines for me. So the the Bubba line, and then there's the six pack line about I'll popping pop all his. I'll pop every yeah. I'll pop yeah. every oh, time. So good. All six of them. Because that's that my was, favorite. That was good. My favorite line in the movie is Ernie Hudson, and it might be my favorite <laughs> line now in a movie where Ernie Hudson's showering. And I forgot how ripped Ernie Hudson was, but he goes, "The only skin disease I see is white people." And <laughs> oh fuck yeah! I was like, "God damn, that's such a good line." Was Ernie that awesome. written yeah. or was that? improv because that's such a goddamn great line i think it was all their lines i think it was their own day <laughs> that's, that's such a awesome. i i miss shit like that because you don't get dialogue like that anymore because that, that you get that, what huh? you do get is forced lines of dialogue like that like think about like that trailer for marvel's eternals where a great actor but brian tyree henry is like ikea fall collection <laughs> and it's supposed to be like a cue for a laugh like that like yeah. a big cringy laugh and it, it's so teed up you know versus like you know you got to have a good actor who can deliver those lines think about like batista he's so great as drax okay another marvel movie he's a wrestler he can throw out those lines dude no he's good and at improv like, yeah they're, they're yeah great and you see delivery. you know ernie or these people you know, I'm sure they had a lot of time on their hands to just throw these lines out and think about these characters because they felt like they <laughs> they felt like a crew in the film. Uh, it was a very ragtag cast, too. So, you know, honestly, a very underrated film, a very um, fun film and infinitely watchable. It, it is it, it, like the nuance of it, like even Daniel Stern's character who's so out of character from what we've seen him in. But like the very first time you meet him in the first couple minutes of the movie, he gets a Pepsi and he opens it with his teeth. And like, that's <laughs> what that character would do. He doesn't yep. open it. Like That's like genius to me. Like I, yeah. I take notice of these little moments, these character moments. It's like, that's awesome. Yeah. And it, it's, it's similar to when you and I were talking about aliens just a little bit ago. When you have some dialogue like, uh, hey, Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? No, have right. you? And it's just like stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's so good. Uh, <laughs> I, I And I liked how these characters developed. And then once what happens to them, especially, you know, like with Daniel Stern, when he starts getting the lesions and he's gone and it's uh, like everybody like really cares. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, wait, we're in like this new territory of like, oh, God, something's actually happening to us. We can't, you know, have like the j kind of jovial, mean spirited shit anymore. We have to really figure out what's happening. And I, that's why I like this movie. And it's 90 minutes. We don't have to take two and a half hours to explain what's happening. I think it's there and they get, they, they, they get through it. Like, do, do you want this movie to be longer or is it perfect no. as it is? No, no. Just like we were saying, I think they found these very nuanced ways or just like they, they found a fast track to characterization that made it, it instantly like you can 
identify with them, you understand them, you like them for all their different personalities. So I think they found a way to to make that work. And especially when you get these kinds of movies that are like chamber pieces in a way, like I think that's a good runtime. The Abyss is like two and a half hours long. Woof. If you watch, if you watch the, I honestly think uh, as great as that movie is, um, they they could have cut some time out of it. Um, I don't know because there's even a longer version with that that director's cut or the extended yep. cut that shows more of like the the. I, I know Cole hasn't seen it, so I won't I say too seen much. It. But there, there's things that happen like after and th that kind of like make it full, going from the acoustic version to the orchestrated version. But I kind of prefer that acoustic version. So yeah, I think it makes it work. Um, I, I will say just because we were talking about it earlier, I was like, I, I wish Ernie Hudson had made it in the same way that LL Cool J did in Deep Blue Sea, oh, I know. where he just like <laughs> like he made he found a way. Like maybe when they're all on the the boat and everything, he's like crawling up the side. He's like. Hey, <laughs> I'm okay. That was good. And then, of course, let's talk real quickly about goddamn Jerry Goldsmith, the composer, yeah. one of my favorite composers of all time, Jerry Goldsmith, doing the music for Leviathan. Is it memorable? Is it one of his better ones or is it one of his lesser ones? The Mummy is his best one. Or Explorers. Explorers is amazing. Mummy and... In, in end of talk um i don't know about that i mean you're oh my god jerry goldsmith uh, okay so th this is another show but i mean uh, the mummy is awesome but i mean poltergeist star trek um alien I, the list can go on but yeah it's Jerry Goldsmith did this for Leviathan. It's a much smaller movie than what he's used to. Explain the score, like the the the, the style of score it is, because I'm I'm actually trying to remember. I remember like strings and things like that, where it sounds like it's bending. But I, well, I uh, yeah. So it, well, I think what Jerry Goldsmith did, he kind of tried to um, accentuate and make whale enhance, calls. like the underwater whale sounds and like yeah. kind of have like a wavy um watery music to it and like make yeah. it you know kind of creepy and I, th I think that's kind of cool that he did that yeah he's good at like knowing the environment that the movie yeah. set in and like pulling from different areas to to make that feel like it's all in unison so I think it's very serviceable for the movie. Uh, me and Cole were going on a lengthy talk just because we're talking about vinyl records and like owning some of these musical uh, scores um, as they come out. And I, I don't think this is one that I would listen to on its on its own, but I, it's something that I have much admiration for within the film and i think it works very well for it i don't think it's his best one but i think it's a good sci-fi score okay yeah i like the jerry goldsmith stuff well yeah i mean that's that's interesting yeah we have been talking a lot about that in terms of in terms of scores and you know what is actually something i would listen to versus not um and i i don't know it's a it's an interesting alchemy there um i'm looking at the poster um it's really funny because this woman would absolutely die. <laughs> the Benz is a real thing. 
No, it's a, I mean, it's a funny poster. I don't think it's the best poster, but it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it looks like a giant jellyfish taking them up. You know, yeah, it, it does. You really have to look at it or have seen the film to know what the hell is going on. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, it's Leviathan. Because they have the one right here where it looks like Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, which, yeah, which, which one's better, really? Jaws or Leviathan? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like the cover art. <laughs> the, po- the design. <laughs> Definitely Jaws, dude. <laughs> You should no, ask Peter I, that. I, I, which would which movie's better, Leviathan or Jaws? <laughs> yeah, I think this poster, they're just trying to appeal to a certain audience and be like, oh, there's a very, you know, masculine man, which is not really what the movie really is. Right. And, and then you get like the woman that's pretty much showing her ass in the poster. Yeah. It's good shit. Which she does that in the movie too when she's jogging. But yes. she oh, doesn't yeah. show her bare butt, but I mean, it's all there. No, I like it. It's I that like kind it of movie. You got to show some butt, I guess. I, I agree. More nudity in movies. That's what hey, I say. Hey, you know, Predator has bicep nudity. It's <laughs> male nudity. Yeah, male nudity. <laughs> it does. Uh, <laughs> Leviathan, uh, 1989. Check it out. Um, yeah. You can watch Leviathan uh, streaming at the moment. Uh, I believe it is on Max. Max, HBO Max, Max. Uh, also, you could buy it on Scream Factory if you can find it, or the new 4K of Kino Lorber. Order it. Uh, I think it's a good thing. And as Preston said, there's lots of great extras to see how the making of this movie actually came together. Uh, my bloody podcast, y'all, Leviathan. Cole, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Dude. We want to see more of you. Please, um, Send the invite. I'll be there. I, I, love I think he's coming back story. next week when we discuss uh, a certain Spielberg movie. Oh, Ooh, yeah, a yeah, yeah, duo, yeah, 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 yeah. A, a duo dose of Hell yes. Cole. I'm excited. Um, Cole, where can everybody find you online? Oh, dude. Uh, really nowhere and everywhere. No, actually nowhere. Um, to be honest with you, I deleted my uh, Twitter and you can follow me on Instagram if you just really want to say, hey, I mean, I'll talk to you. It's James E. Jams. <laughs> So right. James, James, James on Instagram. Yeah, so I switched it up. I I like to switch up my username every so often, and uh, that's how I feel. And I would like to be called Jamesy now. So please, all right, Jamesy, or James- not. You know, you both have known me for like a decade. <laughs> he heard me say so. it. And he's like, no thanks. <laughs> well, no, I do like it, but I'm like, uh, you guys don't know me as that, so it's okay. Um, uh, Preston, where are they? Where where are we? Where are we looking for you at? Uh, you can find me most active on Instagram under Blu-ray Dad. All my writing is on FreshFiction.tv and DentonRC.com for the Denton Record Chronicle. Excellent. And then you can find uh, Brian and I on Fear and Loathing in Cinema, the other podcast where we talk about dumb movies that are awesome sometimes. 